All right, it's good to be with you guys. Thanks for coming out on a Saturday. All right, uh, I hope you guys are ready because we're going to go for it here. All right. Um, why don't you go ahead and grab whatever way you use your Bible, and we're going to just dive in and start going for it. So what I want to do, uh, we've come together. Uh, the focus of what we're going to be talking about, um, we have a lot of different um, concepts we need to kind of begin to absorb, but I'm going to focus on four main areas. There's actually more than that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of give you an overview of how praise and worship is described in Scripture. And then we're going to focus in on specifically what the Lord is wanting to impact us with this time. When I was sitting around looking it up and writing it, I realized, wow, this is actually like a 16-week study. <laughs> like, how do you cram 16 weeks into something? So... Uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to do an overview. Hopefully, this will give you guys as a springboard to move forward. All right. And so um, to begin with, what I want to do is I just want to lay down in Scripture how the Bible talks about worship and praise and the ways that God wants it to express. And again, as I was sharing with you, as I started looking at it, some of the stuff that I was looking at, I'm like, oh, wow, I had forgotten that's actually what praise and worship actually does. This is a form of worship. And so hopefully that'll get your attention also. So let's start. What we're going to do is we're going to do a real quick overview of just what praise and worship is. So there's uh, nine, I'm sorry, there's 10 categories of this. All right. So the first one is this. The Bible says that praise and worship is a form of adoration. And this, uh, when, we, when they use these terms in scriptures, I don't know if you guys ever do this. This is kind of how my mind thinks. They're using different words. So they have different impact, different meaning. The Bible doesn't just use the same word. There, there's emphasis to things. And so when it's using the word uh, praise and worship, specifically praise, is a form of adoration. It's talking about, okay, so God wants us to approach him. And in our approach to him, this form of praise and worship is a specific declaration to the Lord about something about him. And so when we say God wants us to have adoration for him, we're focusing on three specific aspects of who God is. Now, the three aspects is his greatness, his, his majesty, and his holiness. Now, right here... Uh, I'm, I'm supposed to be just giving you an outline. I'm going to stop and talk with you for a moment. So here, the God of the universe just says, I want you to begin to learn to praise and worship me. So when you and I are doing this, and we're talking about who God is and his greatness, what are we doing here? We're actually asking for the presence of God to be in the midst of us, and to see him as he is, and begin to enjoy him for that. Now, when you enjoy God in a specific way, what is happening in that exchange of being in the presence of God? The glory of God is actually coming into your soul, and he's, what he's doing, as the scripture talks about it, the radiance of his glory is literally like causing a sunburn effect inside of you 
that if you see God a certain way, you don't just come into an understanding of him, you get transformed by it, and it shapes your character and who you are as a person to function with God that way to where you become hungry for that, and your life has no meaning unless you enter into that again. So now think about this. God is, isn't it amazing when we say that God has called us into praise and worship, he has actually called us into something that's so transformative that if you understand what God is saying, here's why I want you to enjoy me. You guys understand God is a complete God inside himself. He, he, there's nothing we can add to him. So why does he call us to worship? Because the, the, emanation of his glory is so satisfying to individuals that you become transformed into being like God when you see him the way he is. So think about this. God says, now I want you to live a certain way among me. And isn't it amazing? It's actually worship that helps you penetrate strongholds and break free from something so that the nature of God can actually be demonstrated to you so that you begin to hunger and thirst for it. Now, have you guys thought about this? I didn't say if you study scripture. I said if you worship. Yeah. And so God is actually saying this thing that's enjoyable, that actually satisfies you very deeply, is very transformative. Uh, you guys can already tell. I'm only on the first one. I'm ready to take off and just stay there for an hour. So let's do the next one. Another form of praise and worship is the concept that praise and worship is a lifestyle of thanksgiving. All right, now, I don't know if you guys ever do this. All of us are from different backgrounds. I spend an awful lot of time in discipleship groups and small groups and training people all the time. And one of the main things that we've discovered by just studying what we call revival history or the moves of God is this one principle if you can develop a lifestyle of thankfulness in the people, what happens is it creates the atmosphere of heaven everywhere you go. Now, think about that. I don't have to have music around me or anything else like that if I will create a lifestyle of thankfulness, learning to practice thankfulness as a habit. It actually changes everything internally and what's going on inside of me. Uh, I, I intentionally decided I wasn't going to talk to you about the physiological effect of doing that, but just to kind of throw this out to you, it actually releases certain chemicals in your body that actually keep you in a state of joy. And so the Bible is saying, all right, how do you deal with the spirit of heaviness? You deal with it by creating an atmosphere of what is going on in heaven inside your soul right now. And have you guys recognized this? Anything that taps into what the spirit of the Lord is doing or what we would call the atmosphere of heaven, there's a lifting effect that happens inside of you. And so this is how the Bible describes the concept of grace. Anytime I'm connected with the Lord or I'm drawing near to him, this dynamic power that only comes from heaven is released inside of me. And grace isn't used just to describe an empowerment. It's described as a lifting effect above the system of the world so that you function in what's called a higher plane of existence or what's called eternal life. 
And so here the Bible is saying, here's something really simple. It's like eating a bite-sized cookie every 10 minutes. I become thankful. And as I do that, I'm partaking of what is from the nature of the Lord and what is going on in heaven. Third category. Uh, we learn to worship the Lord. Now, I talk to people that teach on uh, worship and the theology of worship. Just to get ready for this, I wanted to make sure from your study, what have you seen from this? So walk with me in this as we look at it. When we talk about learning to worship, we're acknowledging two other aspects of God's rule and reign. So worship is usually described in very simple terms as what? Bowing the knee. Right? Bowing the knee. So we have to ask a question. Why does the Bible talk about that? In, in regard to praise, it means to ascribe to somebody. So here we have praises I ascribe to somebody. Worship, I'm learning to bow the knee. Well, when we use that concept of bowing the knee, we're talking about something about God that we see by learning to worship him. And so it's this. When we worship, we acknowledge, ready, his lordship. We acknowledge his authority in everything. And we acknowledge his supremacy in all things that are going on in human events. So... When we talk about this idea, worship, do you guys get it? It's learning to look right at God and enjoy God for who he is. Um, how many of you, uh, have any of you ever watched the movements of worship in the body of Christ? And a lot of songs we sing or the things we do, we're talking about what it's like to walk with God. God actually wants to come in the midst of worship and actually arrest us and say, look, don't talk about it. Look right into my face and talk to me and let me enjoy you and let you enjoy me. And when you begin to do that, when you begin to intentionally focus on the embrace and the presence of God, something breaks open inside of you that cannot happen when you're just talking about who God is. And so do you guys get it? There's a, there's a rhythm in the kingdom of God in regard to praise and worship. Praise gets us through the gates Worship causes us to embrace who he is in a very intimate way. And it, in a sense, it releases what I would call the river of God in the midst of the soul of people and in the midst of a group of people. All right, let's move to the next one. Uh, praise and worship is described as songs and music. And this is, this is very interesting. Most everybody, uh, tell me if you guys are like I am. Anytime we talk about praise and worship, I'm always thinking, well, I've got to be in a room with music. And that's just one aspect of that whole thing. That's why we're going through the categories of it. Some of it's done with music. Some of it isn't. Some of it is a lifestyle. Some of it isn't. And so here we actually have the idea that God actually wants us to learn. And this is kind of interesting. This is where God wants us to learn to make melodies in our own heart. Now, are you guys like I am? If I stand up right now and start singing, there's going to be an interesting response from you guys. <laughs> You'll put your fingers in your ears and you'll run to the door going, the glory is departed because I don't have a good singing voice. And, and, but God actually says, yeah, but I actually want you to make a new song or a new melody. Now, why? Because in the kingdom of God, there's a, a thing that God wants in your life. 
So let's stop for a moment and talk about eternal life just for a sec, all right? The way that eternal life is talked about in the New Testament, right? If I had a whiteboard, I'd draw, I'd draw a straight line and I'd say, okay, so this is called fleshly lifestyle. It's just on a certain plane of existence. When the word eternal life is used in the New Testament, it's actually showing not just God coming into that, that life, it's actually a transformative encounter. So the way the Bible describes it is the Greek word that's used for eternal life, um, zoe. it actually means to be lifted up into a higher plane of existence and learning to function at a whole different realm of reality. Okay, now we're talking about worship, so why does that matter? Because, because you're living in a whole different form of reality as a believer, that actually means that the values, the way you think, and the lifestyle you're going to lead is based on that level of existence. That's why you can't function in the system of the world anymore. It's not that you can't go back to it, you can't function it because you're a new creation, and the new creation is in alignment to this realm, not the lower realm. Uh, how many of you, after you get saved, think, well, now I'm just going to go back to my normal life, and it's miserable? Because you, you, the way you've been created, you cannot function at that level anymore. So when you have to renew yourself and you get into praise and worship, it's you're learning to function at the right level of existence. So when we talk about this idea, and the Bible begins to talk about praise and worship, it talks about you being filled with the Spirit. And it talks about what? Pray, being filled with the Spirit and singing new songs. Well, what does that have to do with anything? It's saying, so in the kingdom of God, you guys ready? There's a melody or a worship service going on all the time. And if you'll tend your heart towards the Lord, what will happen is you'll start getting the song of heaven coming inside of you. So a lot of people, well, I understand when it comes to the gift of tongues, that's a new language, but are you guys ready? There's a song going on that you can actually hear when you're tuning your heart to the Lord, and you can be filled by the Spirit with it. So how many of you um, don't have any musical ability like me? How many of you don't? Okay, good. There have been times that I've been in worship services or I've been enjoying the Lord myself, and I'm hearing a song I've never heard float into my heart. I'm hearing the different music of it. I'm hearing s lyrics that I've never heard. I, I, at this point, which I think is hilarious, is I've gotten four songs from the Lord just by being in worship with Him. Four new songs. So you guys ready? God actually wants to give you a song for the benefit of showing you who He is and actually renewing you and then we're going to keep going on. Man, I'm having everything I can do to kind of restrain myself. All right. But you guys get it? Do you understand that song is not just something we do, and we're going to be doing this later this afternoon. It becomes a battle cry. And through song, God can actually tell you what's going on in regions and then give you songs to get breakthrough. Yeah. For all the prayer, prayer people in here, we're always trying to figure out, how do I figure out what the stronghold is, or how do I get a breakthrough? And we're, and we're just kind of trying to press into the Lord, and the Lord's actually saying, well, the rhythm of the kingdom is different. If you'll actually worship, I'll actually give this to you as a song, and st instead of it being heavy as a burden, it becomes a joyous thing, and the song brings the breakthrough in a region. 
Uh, I'll prove that to you. Trust me. I'm not just going to say that. All right. The next form of worship and praise is this term called testimony. Okay. Now, isn't that interesting? Your testimony is a form of praise and worship. Now, uh, how many of you ever, this is kind of amazing, in Exodus chapter 15, I'm going to kind of dive into a story with you. In Exodus chapter 15, God, right before God gives the Ten Commandments, he takes the children of Israel out of Egypt and he starts taking them into the wilderness wandering. And when he does, he takes them to, to two major tests before he gives the Ten Commandments. And both tests were to reveal his nature to the children of Israel. So in Exodus 15 is the first test that God is giving the children of Israel. So you guys get it? Egypt is like the system of the world. He's now taking them out of the system of the world and trying to train them in how to walk with him. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about the Exodus story. How many of you would like to have God pull you out of your culture and say, okay, so now what I'm going to do is you're going to learn to obey me and follow me, and I'm going to give you absolutely no resources. You're just going to have to trust me every day. Wouldn't that be just super exciting? All right. And so... God takes them, you guys get it? There's 4.5 million people wandering in the wilderness. And the first test that God takes them to is they have no water to drink. And then they come to this lake and they find out it's poisonous. And God said, well, okay, okay, I basically brought you here to test you, to see if you will obey the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight. And he says, if you will, I won't put any of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am Jehovah Rapha. All right? Now, you're going, how does this have to do with worship? So he, he take, And then he, not only does he say, I'm Jehovah Rapha, he says, not only did I want you to learn this, you know, Moses had to pick up a log and throw it in the water. He said, not only did I want you to understand that I'm Jehovah Rapha, he says, because I am Jehovah Rapha, that's an ordinance that you have to recognize. So did you guys catch it? The ordinance is to set up a governmental structure. The children of Israel had to be the people that listen to the voice of the Lord God and do what's right in his sight. That's how he's going to set up his government. All right, so he says all that to him, And then immediately, if you read on into Exodus 15, he, he goes from that encounter where they're at this humongous lake where they could naturally get water and sustain themselves, he takes them away that, and he takes them into the desert, and he makes them go to these palm, string, uh, palm springs. So they have palm trees and springs of water, and he makes them sit there for seven days. And you're going, okay, what does this have to do with worship? So I, how many of you read Exodus stories, and they're, and they're trying to emphasize something, and you're not getting it, and you're going, I don't know why God did that. That makes no sense to me. They, they have a test, and then God's making them go over here to palm trees and springs of water. Why is he doing that? And for seven days. Okay, now here it is. This has to tie with testimony and worship, right? Anytime God reveals his presence to you in an area of your life, that's like the story of Exodus 15. God has made himself known to you. He's revealed his presence to you. He's touched you, all right? That when he took him into the desert, that's an illustration of going through dryness or not having a sense of the presence of the Lord, and he makes him rest. 
And he puts them, that's what the palm trees are about. They have to rest. And then it says, and then there were springs of water. All right, so you guys, any encounter you've ever had with the Lord, when you begin to testify about it, you're tapping into the spring of water of that original encounter and you're releasing it again in your life. So when you're trying to bring, how many of you recognize in the body of Christ that when you share your testimony, it draws the presence of the Lord? And the very encounter you had before, it's like you tap into a reservoir of it again and it comes up again. This is why if you study worship services, revival history, or any move of the Spirit of the Lord, you watch God do the same pattern almost every time. He gets the people of God praying, he gets the people of God worshiping, and he gets the people of God testifying. Why? All of them are a form of worship and they attract the manifest presence of God to come in continual waves to release greater levels of the glory of God. <laughs> I don't know. Are you guys excited about that? I mean, I just sit around and think about that. So let's have some fun here. If you're taking notes, just stop for a second. So, yeah, just stop. Let's practice something. Are you ready? Okay, I want you to just relax and close your eyes. Now, don't worry about me. This is you and the Lord, okay? Stop for a moment and think of a time where the presence of the Lord drew near you powerfully. Just think about it for a moment. Now, as you're thinking about it, begin to thank the Lord for it and watch what happens. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Okay, you guys kind of look up here with me. How many of you sense the presence of the Lord drawing near to you again? Okay, so very simply, what we just experimented with is an eternal reality that God has made available to every person in every generation. You guys ready? The Bible, then Psalms, it not only tells us to remember the works of God in our lives, it tells us to enjoy it and celebrate it. Why? because we're releasing the wells of God's presence that came the first time again inside of us. So when we gather, I don't know if you guys do this, when we get in small groups, we take time periodically and say, tell us a time where God really drew near to you. And when people start sharing that, it saturates the room with the glory of the Lord. Now, I guess I need to stop and ask you guys a question. When we gather and we worship and praise, are we doing it because it's required of us? Or are we doing it because we're looking for the appearing of the glory of the Lord? See, so you, were, you were created to have the glory of the Lord surround you and saturate you. 
Um, were you guys aware of the fact when Adam and Eve were first created, the reason they had no shame is because their clothing was the glory of God. And so you were created, you need to recognize this, when we fell, the whole idea of sin in our life means missing the mark of the glory of God. So your clothing, the way that you were created was to actually be surrounded and saturated with the glory of God. And if you do not have that, you look for lesser glories to clothe yourself constantly. So when we come here to gather and worship, we're not just coming here to sing to the Lord. It's very intentional why God has us here doing this. Because he wants to clothe you with his glory again, and that's what's going to satisfy you. And so when we start talking about this and we start working through this, all these different ways that I'm going to start presenting this to you, it isn't so you can learn to do worship better. It's so that you can actually dive into what you're longing for, which is called the presence of God's glory clothing you. Yeah. All right? And so I'm going to be intentionally working on how you guys can incorporate that into your life, because are you guys ready? The more you enjoy the glory of God, it's going to spill into every area of your life. So like, well, how do we save our city? By enjoying the glory of God. How do we bring healing? By releasing the glory of God. And so our job is now not to just say, how do we do this better? Our job is to say, what has God given us that's there, it's free and available so that we come into what we have been created to enjoy, is, which is the glory of God. Are you guys with me so far? Yeah. All right, let's keep going on. If I'm ever going to get through these notes, I was supposed to only do this for 10 minutes. The next one is this. When we talk about praise and worship the way it's described in Scripture, you guys ready? Confession is a form of praise and worship. Confession. All right. Now, when most people look at the idea of confession, they think, you mean of my sin? No, I'm going to show you this later this afternoon. Confession has what we, would call a, what we would call a negative effect and a positive effect. The word in Hebrew and Greek for the word confession means to come into agreement with something. All right. So when I confess something, you guys get it? When I'm acknowledging who God is and I'm confessing that, or his word, or any of that other stuff, that's a form of worship. I'm coming into agreement with something. Now, you guys realize the kingdom, the kingdom works by coming into agreement with God. All right, so let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse, uh, you can look it up. Take out your Bibles and look up Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. All right, so here's God's original creation, right? He's creating Adam and Eve. And uh, the, the, the Trinity is really having a conversation with themselves, and they're talking about creating, and, and God is saying, all right, he's created men and women in his image, and he has given them, he says, we have given them dominion. All right, so the minute God said, we are giving them dominion, that means that God cannot do whatever he wants in human history unless someone comes into agreement with him about it. Now, 
most of us are like, yeah, but doesn't it say God does everything? Yeah, but when God said, I have given you dominion, that's called the, the word of a king, or it's called the law of a king. And in the kingdom of God, this is important. When a leader in our country stands up and says something, he can lie and contradict himself and stuff like that because our words don't have any impact in our culture. In a culture of a kingdom, when a king stands and declares something, it becomes a law. And so it cannot be contradicted after it's been said. So here's the king of the universe. When the king of the universe creates men and women in his image and he says, I've given you dominion, it actually means that you and I are the legal authority on this planet to decide whether heaven is going to be released on this planet or hell is going to be released on this planet. So the enemy cannot just do whatever he wants. He has to do it through people that are the legal representatives on this planet to do what he wants. Just like God can't just do whatever he wants. He has to find someone to come into agreement with him about something before he moves. That's why it makes sense when he says, I don't do anything unless I tell it to prophets or talk to the body of Christ. And everybody's like, yeah, but isn't God in control of everything? Yes, he is according to how he set up the structure of it. So he's actually made you the legal authority on this planet. And so that actually means that what you come into agreement is what is released. So you guys ready? The Bible wants you to understand not only is confession a form of praise and worship, do you guys get it? it? It honors the Lord when you agree with what he wants to do in his situation. And so when I'm doing it, I'm not doing it just because, well, the Bible says to do this. I'm coming into a really profound principle here. When I see, here's what the scripture says about something, and then I turn to confess that thing, it's saying heaven and earth has now come into alignment with each other and something can happen. Uh, so just to go off topic, just for a second, so we can have some fun with this. When, when we're talking about the, I just went over the glory of God with you guys. When we're learning to praise, give thanksgiving, now we're talking about confession. When we're learning to do that, what we're learning to do is recognize what is God's intent working through people. He wants to go and meet somebody and what? Reveal his glory to them. So, right? So, how many of you ever in a prayer time, God tells you to pray for a family member this way, Right? And then you come into agreement and he has you declare it. Why does he have you do that? Have you guys ever thought about that? I mean, if God knows everything, he can do everything. Why do I have to do these things? So why do I have to actually confess it and declare it in a situation? Because when God has us do that, once we come into agreement, what we're literally doing is God saying, now look, I want to go meet that person. Agree with me. All right, Lord, go over there and release this in this situation. When I do that, what I've done is I've come into agreement with heaven, and that releases the Holy Spirit to go over that person, hover over them, and bring life into that situation. So you're actually saying, go meet that person. Now, what happens when God goes to a person that does not know him, and his presence hovers, his glory hovers around them? They, can't, they cannot stay the same way they are. So do you guys understand, every time that God draws near to an individual, he cannot leave them in the state that they are. They have to change. Why? 
because God is life-giving, he's dynamic, and anything he moves around or reveals himself to, there, there, anything that is not consistent with the nature of God gets challenged immediately, and you either have to harden your heart or yield to it, because you cannot be left the same when you meet the glory of God. And so do you guys get it? When I'm confessing something, I'm not just saying, hey, God, I hope you do this, or I'm going to come into agreement with it. Basically, God's saying, I'm just looking for someone to say, do this, God, because when his presence comes near, he cannot leave a person in the same state they are in. Amen. Yeah, are you guys with me? I, I don't think you're very excited about this for some weird reason, so... Okay, now I don't know if you guys have seen I just talked about it. Now I'm going to reaffirm it. Number seven, another form of praise and worship is prayer. Do you guys realize that? Prayer expresses praise and worship to the Lord. The whole idea of coming to God, you guys understand, this idea of approaching God means that I'm acknowledging that he's actually the God of the universe and I'm revering him and giving honor to him. That, that comes out of our whole... I, if you guys look at the Lord's Prayer, I always find it fascinating that the Lord's Prayer, just to show you how this is so incorporated in the life of the believer, the Lord's Prayer starts with worship and ends with praise. Yeah. And so, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. All right, so, do you guys ever stop for a moment and think about how powerful that is? I don't just say holy is your name. I take different attributes of God and just worship him until the glory of God enters into my heart. Then I'm ready to pray the rest of it. Then when I come to the end of it, I get to circle around the throne and realize not only did all the stuff I asked, because he told me to ask him about that, not only is that stuff going to be answered, I realize that all power, all authority, and all dominion actually rest on him. And so God actually gives me what I would call an embrace of assurance after I've worshipped and asked him to do stuff. And then he settles me with insurance, uh, assurance by praising him. All right, so prayer is just as much a form of worship as singing, testimony, any of those things. Number eight, joyful celebration. I don't know if you guys ever do this. If any of you, um, when I was in Bible college, one of our classes on church growth, we had to go to different congregations around the city, right? And uh, how many of you ever went to a group in the body of Christ that thought they were better than everybody else? Like, well, you know, we're better because we have superior doctrine or we do this better than that. Have, you, have any of you ever had that kind of teaching in your background? Okay. Most of us won't admit to that. But the group I hung out with, we did that stuff all the time. We were, we were just better than everybody. We just knew the Bible better and we just felt sorry for everybody else, right? And so in our class, we're sent to different churches, and they said, so you're, the reason we want you to go to different congregations is we want you to observe how they do services or worship, all right? I thought, well, because we're the better group, we probably do it better, and it was kind of funny. I found out that it didn't matter what the group's name was, everybody kind of does the same thing. They, they just add one thing here or take one thing away here, but everybody just kind of does the same thing, and then everybody talks about how unique they are. Like, we're really unique. It's like, well, how are you unique? Well, that group doesn't have flags, but we do. But we do everything else the same. 
Now, the point isn't that we do everything the same. It's when I went and hung around the Messianic Jews that I really got uh, straightened out about some stuff. Right? Because if I'm a Protestant, right? And I, and I know everything. So when I got around the Jewish people, their expression of worship was so different than ours. I just thought, wow, we're almost half dead almost all the time. <laughs> I mean, we just kind of sit there. If we raise hands, that was like a controversy, right? Uh, I'll raise one, and then I'll get two up there. And those guys just don't do any. I, I remember this Messianic congregation I went to. All the men ended up fr up front, right? And they're dancing in circles with each other and singing to the Lord loudly. And I thought, wow, that's really embarrassing. <laughs> and then the woman got in a group, and they started jumping up and down. And they're running around the room and blowing shofars. And, and in their mind, they were actually there to celebrate God. The rest of us, I guess, were to take a nap in God's presence. I don't know what we were doing, but we just thought, wow, we're just so expressive because we say amen to every once in a while. They, I mean, they got into it. They, they actually believed that God was good and he should just be enjoyed for who he is. So you guys get it? The more you understand how wonderful God is and you can enjoy him, there shouldn't be any level of not doing anything. You should be expressing your joyfulness. I mean, you guys get it? God has given you this wonderful thing called praise and worship. And he says, give yourself to this. Yeah. Uh, and I'll make reference to this before. But I was watching a transformation video. Do any of you ever know what, what this term called transformation videos? Have any of you seen those? It's by a gentleman named George Otis Jr. You can actually watch it on YouTube tonight if you want to. And they show that when the Spirit of the Lord... So we're in a really interesting time in human history. If you guys haven't recognized this, I'm just going to announce it to you. <laughs> we're in a time now where God is not going for individuals. He's going for cities. Whole cities coming to the Lord. And this has been going on since the 1990s. And so we're actually in a major move of God right now. And because if you don't focus on it, you'll actually think it's not going on. But there's a major move going on right now where God is moving all over the world and he's capturing cities for the Lord. And so they did a documentary on this city. I got to go to it. It's in um, Guatemala. And it's a town where the <laughs> they never could establish a church because they were idol worshipers. And they had this uh, idol literally in the town square, and people would go and kiss this mannequin. I mean, it was really disgusting, and worship at it and try to give it offerings so that they're, they'd stop being abused and then stop having alcoholism and all this other stuff, right? And every person that tried to go in there, they'd, a Christian minister, they'd run it out, and then God sends this evangelist in there. And the first thing they did to welcome him is they cornered him and said, you need to leave the city. And he said, I can't. The Lord has required me to be here. And they said, well, you don't seem to understand. We're not going to allow this. And so they cornered him and put a gun in his mouth to shoot him in the head. I mean, you could just watch this. And they went to shoot him in the head, and the gun wouldn't go off. And they thought, well, the gun's, the gun's jammed. So they shot it off, and then they stuck it in his mouth to shoot it again, and it jammed. And every time they tried to do it, they couldn't do it, and they just went, okay, something's going on here. We can't touch him. All right? 
Then the Lord, the Lord started coming into the city and doing miracles. Wow. Right? Uh, one lady was dying from some disease and she's almost on death's door and the Lord restored her instantly. And then what started happening is God started coming into that town and all of a sudden God started breaking down things that were going on in the culture. He came so powerfully that he changed their whole agricultural structure where they'd only have one crop a year and their, their vegetables were really shrunken and not prosperous at all. He came so powerfully that their uh, a regular carrot was the size of a man's forearm and is about that thick around. And they'd get four crops a year. Four harvests, sorry, four harvests a year. The worship in their worship service, by the way, the churches don't compete with each other because the whole city just goes to church. So they just have several locations around the city and their worship lasts for long periods of time because of, you guys ready? They've turned to the Lord and God has blessed the land and they celebrate the Lord. In fact, they're such a unique city. Think about this. They meet every week I'm sorry, every day at noon, the whole city to pray for the rest of the world to be touched by the glory of God. Could you imagine living in a city like that? They're so prosperous, all of them have to have Mercedes trucks to deliver all their stuff all over the world. That people go there from all over the world trying to figure out, how are you able to produce so much vegetation? And they say, well, the Lord just tells us how to do this. <laughs> okay. Guys, so I want you to understand, when God is doing that kind of stuff, you don't think you're going to be joyful standing in the presence of the Lord enjoying Him? Okay, let's move to the last one. This is interesting, and I'm going to be developing this even more. The Bible describes praise and worship as a form of sacrifice. Now, when you, that word is being used, and I'm going to develop this with you guys later on. When that word is being used, most people think of like animals and stuff like that. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about there's a certain way God wants to be approached. And this is one of the ways. Praise and worship. And then the last one is this. And I love this one. A form of praise and worship is obedience. So you guys ready? When I say I'm praising and worshiping God, it's not just a celebration, it's not just a testimony, it's a response of obedience also. I'm not gonna do the whole theology on obedience, but I'm gonna explain it to you, all right? Most of the time when people use the word obedience, uh, the first thing that comes on them is a concept of legalism. To be obedient, I have to just determine to do something even though I don't want to, all right? So let's take the, the Greek word for obedience and explore it. You guys ready? The first part of the word obedience means to obey. Now, did you know in the Greek New Testament, the word obey has nothing to do with an action? It means to prefer a voice. The word obey means to prefer a voice. So here you have in Hebrews, it says, obey the voice of the Lord your God. So you guys get it? You have all these voices coming to you. Which one are you paying attention to? The one you prefer is the one you worship. And it's the one you obey. Now, this is important. 
It has nothing to do with your response. It's what voice do you prefer? Um, is that a different understanding of the word obey? It means to, out of all the voices that are coming to you, find God's voice. Now, this is important. When you find God's voice and you prefer it, it actually means not only finding the voice, the, the Greek tense also means to lift that voice as the highest voice that you pay attention to, and it's above every other voice, so it gives you the ability to discern all these other voices that are coming to you. I, I just find that fascinating. Do you find, guys find that fascinating? Okay, now let's take the word obedience, because obey or obedience. The first part means to prefer a voice. The second part is even more exciting. This is why you should uh, find obedience as a form of worship. The minute you focus on his voice and you say yes to it, it's like a, a door opens in heaven and the grace of God comes into your soul. And the thing he's saying, now go over here and do, you don't have the ability to do it, but the minute you prefer his voice, a channel of God's strength and glory comes into your will, causes you to will and do his good pleasure in something you could not do. Now you've been given the empowerment to do it, and not only do you want to do it, the pleasure of God is around it, and you can't think of your life any other way unless you're doing the thing he told you to go do. <laughs> okay, isn't this fun just to look at definitions? So you guys ready? Jesus comes up to you and tells you to do all kinds of stuff you don't want to do. Right? Go out there and witness to people. And everyone says this to me. I hate doing that. And I'm like, well, and I try to hold their hands. Well, why? Well, because people reject me and it's not fun and I don't like all that stuff. Well, you guys, I don't like it either. And the reason I don't like it is I haven't been touched by the river of God's glory to so transform me that I can't live my life unless I'm doing that. And what happens is everybody hears someone tell you, go do it. And then we bring legalism into our heart. We try to do it by the power of the flesh. And then we go, wow, there's nothing of the presence of the Lord here. And do you know why? God has not empowered you to do it. And that's why you can't do it. So when... <laughs> You guys, when anytime someone says to you, do you realize this is a requirement of the Lord? You're supposed to immediately go, oh no, I need to find the Lord. And the minute you go, I can't do this, he just is going, I was waiting for you to say that. Here. And he just pours his glory in you and he says, now I'm going to just overwhelm you with my love in such a way that you can't live life unless you're doing this thing. Okay, now, <laughs> do you see how it's a form of worship? Yeah. It's supposed to release the joy of the Lord into you, and then your response is to go into that area and worship the Lord by responding to the voice of the Lord. Most of my walk and most of your walk, if you haven't figured this out, I'm actually doing this deep dive into obedience right now, wherever I'm traveling, because it's such a, a, a dynamic word in the kingdom, we've almost lost the impact of it. Yeah. Everything of the kingdom you cannot do. So God is not requiring you to figure out how to pull it off. He's telling you, 
Get frustrated that you cannot do this so that you'll stand in the midst of me so I can speak to you and release the power of God to do it. That's what the kingdom is supposed to be like. Now, how many of you have heard the idea that the kingdom, oh, it's so hard to do the things Jesus has called us to do. Do you know why it's so hard? Because I've told you to go do it, and you've tried to do it because you love the Lord, but you've not been grace-empowered to do it, and so you have no ability to do it, and you think, this is frustrating. (laughs) So one person likes this. I don't know where the rest of you are at. Where do we go from there? (laughs) All right, put your notebooks down again. We're going to do this as a practice, and we're going to take our first break. Guys ready? Close your eyes with me. All right, now go to another time. The Lord has moved powerfully in your life, and just think on it for a moment. Okay, now begin to thank the Lord for that encounter. Okay, now stop thanking him and now say, Lord, speak to me out of that encounter. Okay, some of you, you're starting to be encountered by the glory of God and you're trying to resist it. I don't know why, but just relax. Just let the Lord come. He's trying to minister to you now, okay? Just relax, receive it. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Thank you, mighty one. Bless your name. All right, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, matey, how many of you got encountered by the presence of the Lord? How many of you had the Lord speak to you when you say, speak to me about this, Lord? All right, so let's have some fun before we go on break. Do you, Pastor Renee, you want to come up here real quick? You got to quit crying. This is going to make it really hard on us. Good luck. Okay, can I start with you? Would that be okay? Um, Sure. Okay. All right, so, so that we don't have a mic interference, I'm just going to do this. If you guys are willing, I want to show you how this works, all right? Um, can you share with us your encounter, that you, uh, what the, the memory was, okay. and then how you sensed the presence of the Lord and what he spoke to you about? Okay. Um, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit brought to mind a time when we were in Ukraine, and we went to minister to uh, women who were in human trafficking. We call them the pearls. And, um, but they were on the street and we were talking with this woman and we had brought some things to give her and she was so angry. She was so angry with us because of life and, 
and she was cussing us out, and she was in my face, and she was spitting at me, and she was so angry. You Christians, blah, blah, blah. The translator stopped translating at one point. I said, no, I want to hear what she's saying. He says, no, you don't. Mm. Um, and the more angry she got, the closer I moved to her. Like, I just could not... I wasn't repelled by her. I just moved closer and closer. And I began to just say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that, you know, and, and she was, we had given her earrings. I don't know why we brought earrings. We had given her earrings. Her ears weren't pierced. And she was just to spite me trying to put the earrings in. And her ear is bleeding because she's just so angry about how unuseful us Christians are. And, um, I just felt the presence of the Lord, you know, every, the, everything in me, and the translator's going, we should go, we should go. <laughs> and everything in me went, no, but I love her. No, but I love her. And we ended up in this embrace where she just wept and wept and wept. And, um, and it, I just know it was the presence of the Lord because I'm easily frightened by angry people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, do you want me to share what the Lord told me about Yeah, that? so did you experience that love again like you did? Yeah. So you experienced it again? Yeah. Okay, and then what did the Lord say to you, if you want to share that? Um, he said, <laughs> you don't have to do the hard things, because I already did them. Hmm. And it was just speaking to me about the hard things that I will step into, but I'm not doing the hard thing. He already did the hard thing. That's good. Did you need to hear that? I did need to hear that. (laughs) There are hard things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, do you mind holding that and helping me here? Sure. Who who else had uh, an experience they'd like to share? A memory you had, the Lord drew near to you with his presence, and if he spoke to you. Now, if you, okay, come on up. Because if you're gonna just sit here and look at me, I was just gonna pull you guys out of the audience, okay? (laughs) Hello, how are you? All right, so tell us the memory, if you don't mind. Um, it was kind of a series of memories. I used to lead teams to go out and do treasure hunts. Okay. And so it was kind of a flashes of all these different scenes of praying for people on treasure hunts and seeing God do miraculous healings. And um, I just, I feel like I haven't seen that in a while. Okay. Like so I've seen you, little things. You so know? as you were thinking about it, did you f- sense the presence? Yeah. Tell us how, what you sensed. Um. Just the joy of those experiences and the seeing people go, shut up, shut up, where's the pain? You know, and just freaking out because they're mm-hmm. getting healed. And, um, you know, as it continued, just kind of feeling his presence on me. Okay. Just the and goal. then did he talk to you about it? Yeah. He said, I want to work through you like that again. And so what did that do to you when you heard that? Okay, thank you. Yes. Good job. All right. All right, we'll pick one more person. They only want to volunteer, or I'm just going to grab you. Okay, come on up. Okay, so now, as you guys are hearing this, how many of you are just being touched by the presence of the Lord as they're sharing this with you? We were in India for a celebration of our daughter and son-in-law's engagement. And we were in this beautiful place. I had my time out on this deck. It was the best place we had stayed in. And I just felt incredible peace. And then all of a sudden, I started crying, and I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. 
And it just like was sobbing. And then Daryl and this, the father of the groom, his name is Matthew, they just got really confused and concerned. And then all of a sudden from my voice, I started declaring God's presence over that region mm -hmm. and saying that all the schemes of the enemy would cease because this population is like one-third Christian and one-third Muslim and one-third Hindu. And it was just, it undid me, but then I switched to uh, Matthew's um, the troubles he's had, the difficulties, and just asking God to move in that region. And did I feel incredible joy now? But I just feel like a sense of release that I'm not confused anymore about that mm -hmm. because he was releasing something in me that was in my spirit that he was doing the work and not Okay, me. so you remembered that. Did you yeah. sense the same presence of the Lord? Uh, in a way, but then okay. right now I'm just overwhelmed with so much emotionally. Okay. Um, I'm just feeling... This last season, it's just been really ministering to me from being estranged to completely changed, mm -hmm. and that's huge. Amen. Thank you. Amen. You could hand her the mic. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so we're going to take a break. Uh, I told you we we're going to take a break, and I didn't give you a break. So we're going to take a break. I want you guys to think about this as you're taking a break. All we've done is explore the presence of God remembering, thankfulness, and asking God to speak to us. Look at the effect it has. Very simply, a lifestyle of worship.